Welcome to season seven. I'm so excited and I hope that you've had an opportunity to at least listen to one episode from the previous six seasons. It's Jennifer Diane Ghostin and welcome to Once Upon a Time in Adoptee Land. A part of my identity is being an adoptee, being separated at birth from my original family and placed into foster care for two years before being adopted has significantly impacted how I see my place in the world. After connecting with the adoption community over a decade ago, I recognized the added value adoptees bring to a conversation about adoption. It is not every day that I meet an adoptee who introduces me to another adoptee within 24 hours and both immediately agree to be a guest on my podcast. That's what happened when I connected with my next guest. His name is Simon Ben, and through putting me in contact with next week's guest, I felt like I was on a fast track to being even better connected to the adoption community. Simon is the podcast host of Thriving Adoptees, inspiration for adoptive parents and adoptees. He has over 230 episodes to his credit that include all members of the Constellation. He created the Thriving Adoptees podcast so guests can inspire listeners with their stories and empower them with their learnings. Simon was adopted at five weeks old and told about it so young that he doesn't ever remember not knowing. He states in his bio that he didn't experience any adoption trauma until he hit 40 years old. Simon found out that his childhood teddy bear was a gift from his birth mother. This caused an eruption of anger, feeling rejected and unloved. That kick-started a learning journey that led him to heal and then want to help others. He also speaks at events for adoptees and adoptive parents. Allow me to introduce to you someone who has hit the pavement at a pace second to none. He seeks to question everything because of his desire to know the truth. Simon shares what he has come to know about his adoption experience. He makes it clear that his perspective and opinion is a deeply personal one. Simon, I couldn't wait for this day to come to be able to spend time with you. And I I just appreciate you taking time out from your really, I don't like the word busy, but full, full schedule. I know you are doing a lot. And so I just appreciate you taking the time. So how are you doing today? I'm I'm good. Uh, Today has been a particularly juggly day. Right. So I've been juggling a few different things. Um, so uh, uh, just logistics, household logistics and a tradesman. And I was thinking, I've got to get this thing sorted. And um, I, I, I had a tradesman coming to fix a shower for, for, for a rental property. And I just thought I, 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 I've been looking forward to speaking to Jennifer as well. But if I don't get this sorted, then my tenant's not going to be happy. And if my tenant's not happy, then da, 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 da. so yeah, um, I'm, I'm great. It's been a particularly juggly day. Normally I'm just smooth. Right. And, uh, but today's, uh, t- today's been juggling, but, but sure. good. Sure. Yeah. Happy belated birthday too. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I had an opportunity to listen to your YouTube. Um, I think you put it up maybe a couple of days ago, whole yeah. healing my primal wound. You did a yeah. webinar, uh, which I I know it was a success because it is really unusual for in one day in the adoptee community for a YouTube video to have a thousand views. That was pretty yeah. impressive to me. So what what are your feel? Let's start there. What are your feelings about the project you put together so well? Um, well, thank you. Uh, it's a surprise. So I, I've done um, 234, 235 podcast episodes now. Wow. In uh, a year? like uh, 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 eight, Coming up uh, a year and three quarters, I would say. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. 
and uh, we're on about 34,000 downloads, right? So that that's that's about 150 per episode. So to get a thousand videos viewed in one day is like a factor of, you know, I don't know what that is, eight times. So, you know, I'm thinking now, well, I actually need to do more video. Yeah. I was like, first of all, let me back up. When we talked last year, the end of last year, and I saw that you had over two, I think it was like over 230 podcast episodes. I thought you had been doing this for years, right? Or at least more than one year. And when you said a year, I couldn't believe it. And then this this YouTube is just like people are, are paying attention, they're listening. And I think it's because I find you to be very insightful. That's your word. <laughs> uh, you're witty, you're humorous, intelligent. And I think you're very passionate about the community, about the adoption community. And you're a seeker of the truth, uh, which I am too. Yeah, I feel like as a student of life, I just want to know what's the truth. So yeah, I, I'm excited to learn more about you and your work. And I took like three or four pages of notes from that YouTube video. I thought there was some really great questions that people asked. And I'm assuming it was mostly adoptees in the space, right? Yes, totally. And um, if you could put a link to the YouTube in your show notes. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that people know that what we're talking about. Yeah, exactly. So, like, where where do you want to start? I know um, I have a lot of questions based on okay. watching the YouTube video, uh, but certainly, well, yeah, I want you to start wherever you want to. Okay. So, I I am very big on insights and very little on story, right? So, I'd love to talk about the insights. Really, I'd love to talk about the the essence and i've got i had a a question came to my mind um which is really burning hot in me at the moment i'd love to explore that with you um i'll start for people that haven't heard anything about me with like a three or four sentence interview so i'm i'm i've just i'm just turned 56 i'm um i live in the north of england i live uh in a little village called hunsingor which is about 10 miles from york so it's um, it's uh, two hundred miles north of of London, and it's about eighty miles west of Liverpool, where I was adopted from. So I, I was adopted. Um, I was born in, in January sixty seven, uh, and my mum and dad collected me from an uh, like adoption agency in Liverpool in early February, and they told me when I was two, apparently. Um, just before my my sister arrived, so they adopted a little girl as well, uh, a couple of years after me, and they told me about adoption then. That that's, that was the the time, and they also they they had they had a storybook um, about a, a story that was came together a family that came together through adoption, and and that was on my bookshelf as a kid. So we didn't discuss it very often. Um, I didn't have any I didn't I didn't I wasn't any conscious of any um, um, primal wound any trauma uh, as a kid or as a teenager I had a normal uh, a, a normal childhood largely happy some ups and downs some bullying which really uh, upset me at the time um, ups and downs with girls and passing driving tests and you know the odd car crash and stuff like that. When, um, but just regular stuff. So, um, but at, at the age of forty, I found out that my uh, the teddy bear that I'd had from um, from as long as I can remember was from my birth mother, and my first reaction to that was one of curiosity. And uh, but a couple of months later, I had um, uh, I had like an eruption of of anger towards my birth mother the fact that she didn't love me enough to keep me and that this teddy bear was a consolation prize. So for me, 
um, that, that I'd, I'd been through some business stuff, um, tricky business stuff, and then I'd got to some business success, and that hadn't made me happy. And I thought, well, where's happiness going to come from? So that's when my truth-seeking uh, to, to kind of share, my seeking started, really. Um, and that's what I've been doing ever ever since, really, is I've been looking for the truth, the truth, mainly about the truth of, of who we are and where happiness comes from, and a little bit of exploration into my birth mother. Unfortunately, I found out that she died, um, but uh, there was a big healing moment for me. So my life has been a series of healing moments in the last 15 years, and one big healing moment for me was when I got my adoption file, uh, and there was a letter in there. Uh, I talk about this in, in in the in the webinar, so there's no need to go into too much detail. But essentially, it, it, I realised with um, with tears streaming down my face that washed away twenty seconds of the most intense anger I'd ever had in my life, and that, that anger was towards my birth mother. But twenty seconds, that's it. That's all it was. But th- that kind of weighed heavily on me. I think so. The tears washed away the anger. Um, and uh, made me f- realize that the story in my head about me not being good enough was totally wrong. So one of my concerns around adoption is if if the stories in our head are false, like mine was, then we, when we share them, we reinforce them. And if we reinforce them, the trauma gets worse. We re-traumatize ourselves. So that's a big, big concern I have about um, about stories in in our head. So the story in our heads, uh, is, yeah, it's a it's a work of fiction. And and what we're what we're looking for is the truth of who we are. Um, we we are not our trauma. We are not our trauma. That you know, uh, trauma veils who we are. It doesn't wound us. It bails us. It doesn't wound us. One of the stories in my head was that my birth mother didn't love me enough to keep me. Okay. And that wasn't true. So the story, okay, so I think I understand the difference between me, say, sharing my story with you, that I was relinquished at birth in foster care for two years before I was permanently placed is a story in my head. And that well, story no, no, no. is what happened, right? It's just, that's, that's what happened, but it is a part of my story. Yeah. Okay. So let me make it clear. Let me try and make it clear. Um, I'll do my best. So the, there's, there's what happens to us, what's happened to us and what we tell ourselves about what's happened to us. Okay. So I'm talking about the internal critic that every person has in the world. Every internal critic says, you're not good enough. I've done all my healing work outside of the adoption community. Okay, And all those non-adoptees, they don't think they're good enough either. They think there's something wrong with them. Um, So maybe they're not rich enough maybe they're not thin enough maybe they're not talented enough maybe they haven't succeeded in the career enough maybe they're not a good enough mum maybe they're not good enough dad everybody's got this inner critic adoptees don't have the monopoly on insecurity oh for sure i agree with that first of all i want to go back to something you said about overcoming your anger once you saw that letter that your mother your birth yeah. mother had written and then being able to, I guess, come to terms with not telling that story that you had been telling prior, okay. right? Yeah. Because I also found a grave. My birth mother was deceased when I learned who she was. And I remember in the moment where I learned that she had been searching for me, she wanted me to be found. This is what I was told. And that she never wanted to relinquish. She was 16 when she was pregnant. And so her parents made the decision to place me and all of that. And I remember in that moment, like, yeah, with such relief, right? I never really told myself that story you're talking about, that I wasn't wanted. I kind of just 
I just want to know the facts, like what happened, like who are my biological family members and what happened back in 64 when I was born, right? But I get what you're saying that it is important for adoptees to identify the story they're telling themselves because it may not be the truth and it may not be serving them. That's what I kind of hear your message. Yeah, being. I'm, I'm sorry that, you know, like, I'm, I'm sorry you that you found out that your, your birth mother had died. I mean, that's... Yeah, that was really hard. Although I had prepared myself, I had read a lot of material that suggested that may be the case, you know. And so then the bigger picture is just who's everybody else, right? Do I have siblings, first cousins, aunts, uncles, that kind of thing? And just to know, like know my original name. I know your original name was David. Mine was Bonnie. And something about that was very freeing as well. I consider them parts of myself that I wanted to know. I think a lifelong journey to be in search of the truth because we're just constantly learning. And I, I really wanted to talk also about consciousness versus psychology because I think they both can can be together. They can be useful. And, and so I know you lean more into consciousness and I was hoping you'd talk a little bit about that. Oh. There's so much to talk about here. I know. We're go- you're going to have to come back for sure. Okay. okay. <laughs> wow. So psychology is what we think and consciousness is what we are. I was a psych major in undergrad, um, just fascinated by people, like the differences between people and yeah, how they think. and And I always thought through the years – that the more I learned about psychology, the more useful I would be in my interactions, particularly in my career, but even in my personal relationships. A person can learn so much about themselves when they kind of take a, a, a look at how they're thinking and how they're feeling. And I so embrace consciousness because I, I agree with you that it is who I am. You know, that that's the essence of who I am. And I think you talked about this. Well, I know you did about spirit. Like you use the example, I can't make the party, but I'm there in spirit. Everybody pretty much knows what that means. So that that's under consciousness, right? The spirit. I just want to better understand why we, in your opinion, have to do away with psychology while we still embrace consciousness. I, I don't. I don't think that we need to go do away with psychology. I think you know your experience of psychology is you found it really useful. I did an option, so I wasn't a major. I, it was one of my six electives in, in on my course, and for me, it did. You know, obviously, there's a lot. The psychology courses, the psycho, you know, like you know, one size doesn't fit all. It, 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 every course is going to be different. Um, but for me, I, I didn't find, I was hoping that it was going to be really informative and, and the way it was delivered in, 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 in my, in my university didn't provide me many questions. I'm talking now 20, how many years ago since I did my degree? 1989, I finished university. You found it far more uh, rewarding, I think, than, than I did. That would be my time. We don't need to do away with psychology. I just, from my per- own personal experience, I've explored some, you know, my own psychology and I have found it more beneficial, more insightful, more rewarding, more healing, more basically filled with epiphanies is studying who we are, not how I think. Thank you for that. I wonder, too, about how you feel about feeling. So I'm thinking of thinking and then I'm thinking of feeling. How do you look at how important recognizing or being aware, because that's kind of where I'm at now, is being aware more about how I'm feeling at any given time about anything. Not that I have to act on it or I have to 
do anything with it. I'm just aware of it. So what are your thoughts about feelings, feeling a certain way at any given time? I used to be very scared of my feelings. And I'm less scared of my feelings now. There's a, 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 a teacher guy, author, a, Mer- a, a Scottish guy called Sidney Banks, who, is a, who was a Scottish welder who had an enlightenment experience back in the 70s. And he was an adoptee. And one of his beautiful quotes, I've I've read some books and studied with some people um, who studied with him. And he said something like, if only we were less scared of our experience, that would change the world. You know, like I, I was scared of I was scared of my feelings. Now, now I see feelings as more like, um, you know, a, do you know what a rumble strip is? A rumble strip. So a rumble strip is 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 the the line of um, studs at the side of a, a roadway that tells tells you that you 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 know you've you've gone off. You, you might run into the crash barrier. Oh yeah, That's yeah, what yeah. A rumble strip is yeah. Right. Yeah. So for for me. Um, uh, bad feeling bad is a rumble strip. It's a sign that that something within my psychology is is off. Um, and uh, and so I think I have run away from feelings, uh, and, and now uh, because I've been scared. I've, so I've been. I spent a lot of time being worried about being worried, for example. Like, I shouldn't feel like this. I, I've, I've, I still fight my feelings sometimes, but I don't fight them as much and I don't fight them as hard. And I, I let, I kind of hopefully let them go a little bit more than I used to do. That's good. Yeah. I, I wasn't feeling very much. I, you know, I had a career that really supported me not feeling. And so now that I'm retired in these eight years, I've really had an opportunity to, to examine how do I feel about my adoption, for example, my relinquishment. Like I never was feeling yeah. about it. Yeah. I was just thinking about it. And I, I do think that the two are so important uh, thinking and feeling, like to to live a holistic life, to be in balance with that. Like you're thinking about it now, how do you feel about it? And just be aware, you know, just really be aware. Um, I want to jump into something that was really, I'm pretty sure, controversial on your webinar when you said that the primal wound was a misdiagnosis. And I would like you to share a little bit about about that <laughs> my experience right i'm talking about my experience um and uh, so out of contact i have i have had lots of people like yourself have, have, uh, have said that they enjoyed the um the video uh, and they found it useful and insightful da, da, da. um one one of my newish friends in the adoptee community, um, uh, she said that um, that I should continue to uh, explore and uh, express. Uh, sorry, continue to expand my empathy and express that into my conversations. And I thought, because mm. sometimes I can. I, I, I was told by my, my dad, actually, my adopted dad, like 15, probably 15 years ago, that I was a bit aloof. But, you know, perhaps he didn't use that word. He he used the word smart ass, right? And <laughs> and and as as I'm as I'm thinking about this empathy thing, so I, I'm I'm you know I'm talking about my own experience. Right, my experience of my experience, you know, like I take on it. 
So I, I, the reason I think it's a, a, a misdiagnosis is because the question, from, one of the questions that came for me is what's wounded? Okay. So um, I think the primal wound hurt my feelings and it, it also hurt my sense of identity. I don't think... I, I don't think it wounded who I truly am because I don't think that consciousness or spirit can be wounded. Yeah, it's quite thought-provoking, your perspective. And I totally understand what you mean when you say my experience, you know, your experience is X, Y, Z. I think uh, also, as I sit with the fact of being separated from my original family, that's like one piece, um, but being separated from my birth mom at birth and then kind of handed off to strangers, right, and then handed off two years later to more strangers, right? And that's what happened. I don't know. Yes. Yeah, you know, I don't, I can't even tell, like I don't know what that two-year-old was really feeling or that that newborn was feeling except to, to have learned that I had become familiar with certain sounds and smells, right? And just for example, my foster family was a pretty lively group in that it was five kids running around the house, um, seven to 17 years old, and I'm there with them for two years. And then I go to a family with just a mother and father and no other kids. You can picture this quiet place because these parents, my adoptive parents, were old enough to be my grandparents. And I'm just picturing a two-year-old processing that, right? I feel like for my inner child, I feel like she was wounded. Like if somebody told me that story that happened to them, I would immediately think there's some wounds there. Like maybe there's yeah. something that happened that would cause a wound, an emotional wound. You know what I mean? Yes, and I'm totally with you. So okay. I, let me make it. And, and, and it, my take on this is pretty far out, okay, <laughs> even for me. Okay. 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 I love this conversation. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. So there's the difference between feeling wounded and being wounded. So I have definitely felt wounded. Definitely. Definitely felt wounded, and uh, and and my experience, uh, I because so my my birth mother um, relinquished me twice, from what I can understand, or handed me over twice, should we say? So she took me to a. I think this is what happened. She took me to a short-term foster care when I was maybe a week old, maybe. And then she went back there four weeks, five weeks later, and she picked me up. And then she took me to, she took me to the agency in in Liverpool, um, and and handed me over, and, and that was it. Right. So she had to give me up twice, and and I was thinking, uh, I was listening to a podcast this morning, um, on that subject. Um, who was it? I can't remember. But she was talking about, um, you know, a, a mum coming to visit her. And then, uh, yeah, um, it's going to come back to me in a minute. I want to give her. I want to give her a name check, uh, and it's driving me slightly nuts that I can't remember. So, but I was five weeks old, and and I didn't have that. You know, there's there's less. I, there's less. I had a lot less to process than you, and and you're too. Two years in in foster care, I had a lot less time to process um, and a lot less uh, disruption to process um, within my 
within my brain, definitely. Um, and uh, I, I have felt wounded. I have definitely felt wounded by adoption. But whether it, it, it's like what's wounded, what, what's been wounded? My feelings, um, my, um, my, my sense, my sense of self. But who I am hasn't been wounded because not you, uh, if we use the word spirit, spirit's more like breath, right? So it's the life force that's, um, uh, that breathes, breathes us. And you can't put a knife through breath. You can't, you can't cut spirit. You can't cut spirit like you can cut a cake. So if, if you can't cut it, then there's, there's, there's no wound. The wounds are, um, and, uh, and um, you know, I, I talk about this in the, in the, in the webinar as well at, at, at length. So I'm in danger of repeating myself when I should be asking you, what, <laughs> I should be waiting for you to ask the questions that you want to ask well, rather you, than me going. Well, that's fine. You're, you're fine. I, back to the spirit thing, what came up for me was, Maybe it can't be cut with a knife like a, a a cake can be, but I think spirit can be wounded as well. I think spirit, uh-huh. like broken spirit, I've heard that used, and I know what comes up for me when I've heard that used. Um, so spirit is not maybe tangible, like physically tangible, but it is a real enough thing for it to be damaged or it to um, experience brokenness. Yeah. Do, do you believe that consciousness can be wounded? Well, I think consciousness is more just like a state of being here. Like you you recognize me as another oh. human being. Oh, okay. So we've got, we're, we're, at, we're, we're talking at different terms. Let me give you a metaphor, because otherwise it, this would just be be be, be, be for, for nothing, right? So it'll be it'll be too too much. I, I use the word consciousness and spirit interchangeably, and the, um, my metaphor for this is the the diamond. Yeah. Okay. The diamond. So the. I'm glad you said that because I think that was a disconnect. Because spirit to me. Yeah. And I know what you're talking about, but I I tend yeah. to think of spirit differently than consciousness okay well i i we, we we've got different that's why we have to kind of right um, so so i heard this uh a, a mentor of mine a guy called michael neal a west coast guy um and he he came up with this metaphor of a, a diamond in uh, a pile of horse manure okay so the the horse manure is the uh, or poop, as I believe some people call it in the states. Um, you, uh, uh, you know, it, it's it, it's all our poopy thinking and all our poopy feeling, right? And buried in in that is 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 the diamond of of who we truly are. Um, uh, and he talks about. Yeah, he talks about our concern that people. So we we start to believe that because we uh, feel like poop, we are poop. We lose we lose sight of the diamond of who we are, and theref and and we go to great pains to cover up our insecurities, our poopness, and we do that with nail varnish. So we cover this horse manure in. In, in, in nail varnish to, to 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 try and show to the world that you know that we're okay and that we're good so yeah my my um my metaphor uh for for trauma is a clenched fist because my trauma surfaced as anger and you know clenched fists people hit each other when they're angry sometimes you know uh, and you'll know that from law enforcement um and and much more don't they so so the 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 Inside the clenched fist, uh, however you clench hard, you clench your fist. That fist can't can't damage 
or wound the diamond that's held within it. So if you want to check out that more, then, you know, it's obviously the, the webinar is probably better to go because I go into far more detail um, than than that. Yeah. yeah, I encourage listeners to please check it out. I found it to be very thought provoking and I, I really love the format. Um, and there were some great questions by those in attendance. So, yeah, please go check it out. There'll be a link in the show notes. So, Simon, I got to ask you this, because we talked about it when we talked an hour last year, that great conversation. You, you such a charming person. And I, I know during that time I, I was asking you about how, like, what do you really mean when you say find someone ahead of you in the journey and explore it with them, meaning adoptee? learning and, and getting better acquainted with the community. So you want to talk a little bit about that? Cause sure. yeah, that kind yeah. of made me feel funny when I heard you say ahead yeah. of you, like, I want to know, what do you mean by ahead? what, what's ahead of you? So people that are, are, are more, um, that are more grounded, that are more um, aware of who they are, people that are further on 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 the uh, the journey there's always further to go right so i listen to um podcasts and, and audios for for like two hours a day you know when i'm walking the dog when i'm in the car i'm always listening to um I, i'm listening to to podcasts and audio books and audio courses about consciousness and I believe that that makes me uh, a better a, a better person and I believe in studying people that are ahead of me on the journey so then they are more together they are less easily triggered they are more comfortable in their own skins they uh, are less yeah so that that's that's what i do and when people ask me I, I, and you know i i say yeah find somebody that's a further ahead of you on the journey and my major one of my major concerns is that there are some adoptee influences out there who are well let me give you an example and um, so I, I spoke to somebody who it is well known and that person said that they were starting therapy a couple of weeks time and that person had been a, an influencer for quite a while and that person didn't say whether they had done any therapy before but then the idea that I got is that that person hadn't and i you know i i think that we need to do our own work first and um yeah it's kind of yeah. tricky i i don't mean to interrupt yeah i i think it's tricky though when we say or or for me to think that someone is not ahead of me like for example, I've been involved or better connected to the adoption community for over a decade. I've read, I've devoured books. That's just who I am. You know, I memoir, adoptee memoir, you name it, conferences. I've done, I guess some would consider a lot of work. At the same time, I meet adoptees all the time through the podcasting, through the writing group that I co-facilitate, Adoptee Voices, um, created by Sarah Easterly that are just new to the community. They just like two years, maybe sometimes less than that. And I'm always blown away with what I learned from them. I'm thinking of an adoptee. She's been con better connected for a couple of years and she has insight. There's your word that I hadn't, you know, she's 20 something and I'm 58 and I thought, wow. And that happens in my life a lot where 
I least expect it. I learned so much from the younger generation, for example. And I feel like there are times where they're ahead of me. Put it like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so we can learn from we can learn from everybody. Yes. We from we can learn from everybody. So next week I'm speaking to a, a, a Brit adoptee who is, let's say, you know, she's uh, so she called I think she's called Donna Donna Marie. She's just done this incredible YouTube video about coming out of the fog, and she is so enthusiastic. Like I, I'm thinking. I want some of this. Right, <laughs> right. right. Okay. So I asked her to come on the show. I asked her to have a conversation, and I believe I can come on the show. So I, I believe that we can learn from everybody. And also, you know, as I said, I'm working on my empathy, right? <laughs> right. So, so I, I'm, I'm trying to uh, broaden my stuff out, okay? But in, in terms of who I learn from, just just me, I'm I'm learning from everybody I speak to, but but the people that I'm I, I'm particularly fascinated by a guy called Rupert Spira. I know you are. I know you are. So you know, like I'm 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 focusing, and I've got I've got time on my hands, so I can listen to lots of different people. But if I had a chance, if I only if if I could only if I had less time on my hands. And I wasn't doing this full time. So I've done 234 whatever episodes of the podcast because I'm on this like a, like a rat up a drain pipe. I'm, you know, like I'm on it, on it, like <laughs> right. a on it, like, right? So I'm, I give it all to this and I'm, and I'm blasting away. Yeah. And I'm also, I'm also thinking that the faster I run, the, the, the more I'll learn. Maybe I should slow down a bit. Who knows? But this kind of feels right to me at the moment. Um, yeah, I have slowed down actually. I've, uh, I've blocked out a little bit more time. However, if I was going, to, if I was short on time, I would. I, I and I had a, and I could only listen. This is. Uh, I, I could only learn from some one person or one set of people. I would learn from people who are ahead of me on the journey, and I, and I don't mean a time thing. I mean. I don't mean like you talked about people that have been you've been in the community for ten years, people learning for two years. I'm not talking about time. I'm talking about, and I'm not necessarily talking about um, adoptees. I'm talking about, uh, you know, like um, pillars of consciousness. You know, like the Dalai Lama and and Rupert Spira and and people like that. You know, that's. That that you know that's what I'm talking about ahead of ahead of the journey. Okay, ahead of the journey. I, I understand. Yeah. yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, because I I have the, I feel like I have the luxury of time, like like some do, to be able to listen to other podcasts and you know I've been a seeker of spirituality, like learning more about it for decades, early '90s, you know. And still I'm a part of that. And so what question is coming up for me right now is when you, I think it was 40 years old, you said you were, when you really started to like seek more answers about this thing called adoption that had happened to you. Am I right? Did I state that right? Yeah, but I was looking for happiness. Right. And So, so business, business success, I, I thought, well, business success, business success like it was i had a flash in the pan i had one good year after 12 bad years right and it di it didn't make me happy has adoption you know messed me up right that, that's was, it, that's what the, the, i was i was a, a happiness seeker um before i was a, a consciousness seeker or a, you know so okay so you you're a happiness seeker in your 40s, and you didn't, I think, it's interesting if I understood you correctly, you did not go, like, lean into the adoption community. And I, I was wondering, why didn't you? Why? It just didn't occur to me. Okay. Yeah, because I, I asked that question because I remember when I started to, as some might consider coming out of the fog, which was in my... I would say mid to late 40s. The first thing that occurred to me was I got to find out about 
this adoption community, you know, like like other people that have been affected by this experience too, you know, this relinquishment. And then I guess the biggest thing is I wanted to be in reunion. I wanted to find out who I was biologically related to. And so how did other people do it? You know, because I, of course, knew other adoptees were searching in, in reunion. Yeah. Yeah, I know we, we're running out of time, and I just got to ask you, what is the, kind of to wrap things up, and I really want you to come back, because I have, like, tons of questions. I really do. Okay. Yeah, and um, and I know you got to go celebrate your birthday, which absolutely is a priority. With your connection to the adoption community, what has been the most rewarding thing? The the lovely people that I've met. <laughs> that was easy. That was a beautiful answer. What's been the most challenging? I think I I was chased out, I, I, or I left a group um, because I was accused of, uh, I'd inadvertently upset somebody with what they deemed to be toxic positivity. And for me, it was just curiosity. So, that's tricky, um, and I, I guess that's a, that's a, a sign of my that my dad was right that sometimes I'm a smart ass um, and lack empathy. So I would say that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> is there anything that I didn't ask you that you want to share? Well, I said it. I've, I've said it in kind of said it in passing. Is don't, I haven't said it in passing, actually. Don't take any of my word for this stuff. Question everything. Yeah. Right? Question everything. And, um, yeah, don't, don't like, don't, if what I talk, if, if, I, if, if what I talk about sounds like it's complete nonsense, right, you probably have switched off. They'll have switched off by now. Yeah. <laughs> so um, if what I sounds like nonsense, but... Like the way I'm expressing it is really bad um, or not clear, then check out this guy, Rupert Spira. Um, so, my main kind of, uh, well, she, he's one of my mentors at the moment, but you know, somebody that I'm doing courses with uh, is a lady called Claire Diamond. And um, she, neither of these two people have got anything to do with adoption. Okay. Um, what Claire Diamond says is like what I'm trying to share with you, um, Simon, and the rest of the people in the group. If it if it doesn't if it's not making sense, then find another teacher. Find somebody that makes more sense to you. Don't don't not keep exploring because what I Simon Ben says or what she Simon Claire Diamond says. I'm just I'm just. I'm just copying what she does because I think it's a brilliant thing. And I also, I really, I think it's really true. You know, like we have, we, we, there's a million, there's a million ways of getting to the truth. And uh, just because what I, just because I'm a bit, of, uh, just if I'm a bit of a smart ass, <laughs> don't, don't find somebody that isn't a smart ass and, 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 and learn from, learn from that. And, and and don't restrict yourself actually don't you know look look to don't restrict yourself to the adoption community for um, uh, for uh, insights um, l- look at, at the people that really know their onions in terms of consciousness uh, whoever that is whether that's a pastor at, at your local church whether that's the Dalai Lama whether that's some other Zen Buddhist guy, whether that's, you know, how many name checks can I give? Whether that's Rupert Spira, um, find find somebody that you know, like that that, that tells tells the truth, and um, yeah, um, and um, and go and go with that. Yeah. Thank you, Simon. Thank you so much for taking the time out. This has been a great conversation, and I, too, agree. Question everything, especially when you want to know the truth. Yeah. 
Oh, and, and check out the Thriving Adoptees podcast. Oh, you know absolutely. I mean? Well, I, you know, I'm going to definitely put that in the show yeah, notes. And, and I think I think right Jennifer's now. Jennifer's going to be on. Oh, I look forward on. to it. I do. Yes, Thriving Adoptees. You're the host of that podcast. And I'm pretty sure people, everybody I've talked to in the last couple of months, they are very well aware of you. And they are listening. And um, I think the work that you're doing, is a valuable resource to the adoption community. So again, thank you. Thank you, and li- likewise, Ditto. It's it, it, sorry to you know why do why do we apologize for, <laughs> for, for sharing love? You know what I mean? Why do we do that? Is know. it just British people that do that? You know, we have a stiff upper lip. We're not supposed to do that. Yeah. Uh, so I, I've loved this conversation, Jennifer. I hope I really you come back. I, I will. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Simon. Thanks. I was a bit hesitant to take on this conversation with Simon for fear that I would be challenged in ways that might ruffle my feathers. The exact opposite happened each time he shared his ideas about his evolution in adoption land. I better understand how he has arrived at some of his beliefs and love that he is continually seeking to grow in his awareness of consciousness. Simon's passion to help himself and other adoptees comes across as a labor of love. I appreciate that he generates ongoing connections with other adoptees on a regular basis. And I hope you will check out his webinar on YouTube to get more acquainted with the contributions he is making in our community. He single-handedly pulled off a recorded Zoom meeting in a room full of adoptees with thought-provoking information while fielding questions and comments from the audience. No small task. The link to that meeting will be in the show notes. Also check out his podcast, Thriving Adoptees. Several of his guests have been on my show too. Thank you, Simon, for having this conversation with me. From the first time that we chatted via Zoom last year until now, I do find you interesting, charming, funny, and insightful in many ways. As you continue to investigate the subject of consciousness, it is my belief that you will discover even more insights to your relinquishment and adoption journey that best serve you in fulfilling your life's purpose. In closing, I suspect that you invite all of us to tap into our inner wisdom, sometimes referred to as spirit. If you are an adoptee and would like to share your adoption journey, please visit JenniferDianeGhoston.com. Thank you so much for being here.